What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode number 95.0. And we are starting a new game, uh, Call of Cthulhu, which is a 2008 horror investigation game. 2018. You did not review this in 2008. No, I did not. <laughs> On PS4. <laughs> On PS4. No, PC. Thank you very much. Uh, excuse me. 2018. Uh, horror investigation game made by Cyanide Studios, published by Focus Home Interactive. Uh, today I have with me Matt. Hello. And Anthony. The madness has got him. Enter the madness. That That is one of my favorite things, though, is that it's not press button. It's just press yeah. so to enter madness or whatever. I was like, all right. I actually really love that you both commented on that because I thought that was a, a tiny, tiny little touch, but it made me smile and I liked it and didn't think it would necessarily be worth mentioning, but I'm glad that it is. So, as we do with all of our new games in a series, we like to talk about our history with the game. Uh, I will go first because I think I had the most history with this game. Uh, I was asked to review this game by Ken McGowan, and I did. And uh, I really, really liked it. Um, unfortunately, it was during a time where... A lot of games were coming out. came out in October of 2018. Uh, and if anybody knows about October and November, those are the crunch times for us. So I played enough to say, yes, I enjoyed this game. And I didn't finish it. Because, well, that's that's how I roll, apparently. Uh, so I always wanted to go back to it and finish it. But I was like, this sounds like it could be a pretty good Phoenix Down game. So I saved it until now. Uh, but I do have uh, what we're talking to at this point. I I know what I did here. Um, there were a few things that I forgot, which we'll get to. Um, but uh, I I have played this game before. Uh, how about you, Matt? Uh, well, I have not played this game before, uh, although. Oh, I have always wanted to. Uh, always kind of been a fan of H.P. Lovecraft. Read a few of the sh short stories. Actually, just started one this week again. Uh, both because of this game and also because I picked up a Nick Cage movie. There aren't too many movies I buy these days physically, but... Ah, The Color Out of Space? N Nick Cage. Yeah, Nick Cage has a hold on me, and I picked up Color Out of Space uh, maybe a week ago, or a couple weeks ago, actually, and didn't want to watch it until I read the short story, so I, I picked up for like a dollar on Kindle, I picked up all of H.P. Lovecraft's short stories. Uh, so that was a pretty good deal. But um, So how's the which, movie? Have you watched the movie? No, not yet. I need to finish the story. I only started the story yesterday. Okay. I'm going to finish it up this weekend and maybe watch the movie. Um, one of my favorite short stories from him is uh, the... This is... It's got like three different names. It's Facts Concerning the Late Arthur German and His Family. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, it's also sometimes known as just Arthur German or the White Ape. It's 
it has like nothing to do with like eldritch abominations um or like it, it's it's it still focuses on the lovecraftian um knowledge is the worst thing you could possibly have sort of but um it's it's fascinating and i did not know it was a thing until i played the sinking city um but uh, yep. I do recommend reading that one. It's a it's a bit of a mess. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's it's disturbing. Yeah, I'll have to check. I've only read a couple. It's not Although, in the like, collection I have. Like f- for some reason, it's not like a super popular one. So, um, I mean, uh, it's all free online though. So, yeah, yeah. This book was only a dollar or two for. It says it's every single short story, but you know there may be different interpretations of that that word. Yeah, the short story part is the one where it's like I don't know what's considered um, a short story and what's considered like a small novella or whatever. A novella, yeah. Yeah, so it, I've always had a bit of a disconnect as well between how much I think about H.P. Lovecraft and how much I like the ideas in it. And to be honest, I haven't read all that much. I, I did read – there was a recent book that – came out uh, maybe a couple of years ago called Lovecraft Country. That was a pretty good mo- modern retelling of, uh, you know, of some of the themes in Lovecraft's work. So, you know, I've always kind of been dancing around H.P. Lovecraft and not, never really dove in headfirst. Uh, co- this is complicated a little bit by the fact that I never have touched the Sinking City or Call of Cthulhu and didn't know really if they were the same game or the same type of game or really anything about them, but knowing that at some point I would probably play both of them. Uh, so, yeah, I've wanted to play these games for a while. I think I saw this at PAX East, and it looks really cool, And but, you know, it might have been The Sinking City. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just, just looking forward to finally diving into it. Okay. And Anthony, what about you? So, you talked about this game. Uh, and praised it. I was inevitably going to pick it up regardless of that. I think I actually might have been too busy to take Call of Cthulhu. I think I might have even asked, like, at one point, like, yeah, just keep me in mind if we get it, and then I happen to be stuck and he threw it on you. I I don't remember exactly. Um, I know I asked for the Sinking City. Um, I'm sort of familiar with the board, like, the tabletop game, like, uh, of Call of Cthulhu. Um, I have never played it, but I have general knowledge of how it works, um, and it's very different than, you, like, even even you can draw like, oh well, D and D to Shadowrun makes sense. Like, there's there's common factors, and and Call of Cthulhu is a little bit further away from both of those. Um, but uh, so I was interested in seeing how this worked because. Like like Shadowrun, uh, Call of Cthulhu is not just D and D where you get into a lot of fights. Um, so I was interested, and I, I mean, I love point and click stuff, and I figured this was going to be a little bit more like a first person Alone in the Dark. And when I say that, I mean the original Alone in the Darks, which were very much uh, Lovecraft inspired. Um, I can't speak to the one that you played off of for Phoenix Town if there's Lovecraftian elements in it, but uh, um, it's uh, it, the the originals were very much uh, Lovecraft based stories, like 
almost like down to the the main character's luck and stuff. Um, so I, I I had not played this game before, and uh, I'll save my thoughts. But it was a um, wasn't what I was expecting. I knew I knew that there wasn't going to be like a ton of combat or anything like that after because I read your review. I picked it up like that December because I was uh, I really wanted to play it and then just never got around to it. Right. So and and now I have played the Sinking City before. I didn't finish the Sinking City. There's a lot of the Sinking City to play, um, but uh, I played that before playing this, even though this came out first. So. That's my history, I suppose. Okay. Well, I mean, I want to talk about a little bit about, I guess I could talk about my history with Lovecraft. Um, I didn't really know much about Lovecraft stuff until I played Eternal Darkness. Eternal, yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, I don't think I've ever even heard of the guy until I played Eternal Darkness. Really? Yeah. I didn't because I, I I didn't know what it was about. I was like eh, this, it's creepy stuff, you know. I didn't. Yeah. I, I never imagined. When I think of horror, I think of ghosts or demons or monsters, that kind of thing. And with Eternal Darkness, it was more than just a monster. This monster is also a god. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Um. And of course, you know, looking up Eternal Darkness and like stuff like that, and obviously stuff that happened in the past, because you know, a bunch of Eternal Darkness takes place in the past. And I was like, okay, well, maybe there's more mythos to this. And that's when I found out about H.P. Lovecraft talking about the the old gods and you know these things from another dimension and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, well, that's that's kind of interesting. I never put those two together. Um, and of course I played, um, a few other things like, uh, there was Alone in the Dark, uh, was one of them, uh, the PS2 game. What was it called? <sighs> I can't remember. A New Nightmare? A uh, New Nightmare. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, obviously, you know, after that I, I had heard of what Cthulhu was. People would talk about Cthulhu. I'm like, oh, okay. And it's based on like a board game and stuff like that. And, or, or excuse me, a tabletop RPG. It's funny, I feel like if you're not looking for it, what, what I end up seeing the most that'll pop up randomly Cthulhu-related is, like, stuffed animals with, like, squid faces. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh I get it. It's kind of Cthulhu. So, so chibi Cthulhu. It, it's interesting you mention that, and, like, this is kind of where I, like, I, I, have, I have a kind of irritate, irritation with how people um, handle Lovecraft stuff, and I think it's because... Cthulhu's put into a bit more detail. The like there, a lot of artist interpretations, and and, and there's there's some uh, philosophy part of it behind it. But like um, the the reason why like Cthulhu looks the way he does is not necessarily because he's a tentacle faced monster. Um, although he has a bit more detail put put into him when he described. Every sort of eldritch monster um, is is so unrecognizable, like uh, not understandable to the human understanding, 
that you only yeah. sort of see what you can fully understand. Um, like the uh, the hounds of Tindalos are not dogs, but the 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 best descriptions that the the people in the stories can give, or or the way that um, uh, Lovecraft describes them is that this is kind of what they look like, but like if you tried to look at them, you wouldn't you wouldn't comprehend them, and that. And that's, I think, a really um, the best example is like they literally will not let you see certain monsters in Bloodborne, which is also very much Lovecraft inspired, until you have enough um, insight. insight, and then you start seeing them. And the the creatures you see once you have enough insight are are so bizarre in comparison to what you've been seeing up until that point. Um, I I I find that a lot of people miss that portion of it um the one of the kind of and it's been talked about more it's not directly a a lovecraftian movie but the best example of like a lovecraftian sort of like eldritch being is john carpenter's the thing it doesn't when you see it it doesn't really look like anything except for the parts you understand right like yeah, it, it just it kind of is whatever it needs to be. Um, so I always like that part of um, of like the Lovecraftian mythos, um, and it's weird to see kind of how people have kind of gone with it. And like, I'm not I'm not upset or anything. It's just one of those like weird things where I'm like I think you're missing the the sort of the point. It's like these people generally in the stories know too much. And then they are describing kind of what they see, and then they're usually dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, which is why I think I like the um, the, the white ape story, um, is because it all works within the realm of constant understanding, and it's the same sort of plot, but without having to describe some sort of creature you you can't understand. And when I say philosophy, it's the idea of um, uh, John Locke's simple and complex ideas that everything you understand, you understand because you understand simple complex or simple ideas for it. So, um, like you understand, like the best example I've ever had was a unicorn. You you you've never seen a unicorn, but you can fully comprehend what a unicorn would look like because you understand the idea of a horn and you understand the idea of a horse. So when you put those two like simple ideas together. You have a complex idea. However, like if you get down into it, a, a horse is a complex idea because you understand what a leg looks like and a hoof, and you know you start to build up like that's a mouth, and like the mouth is a simple idea, but it's and the teeth, and, but like that's how you sort of learn. And everything that uh, Locke is talking about is not relevant to the eldritch monsters in Lovecraftian sort of work because you only understand the tentacle portions of it the rest of the creature is totally unrecognizable to you. And I, uh, I do like when games and media around Lovecraft try to reach that point of like, this is something you've never seen before. Um, I don't know. I'm fascinated with that portion of it because it's like, how do you, how do you visually represent something you've never seen before in any sort of manner? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Another simple, Simple version of that is, you know, just anything that explores kind of fourth dimension. Right? You know, if, if yeah, you start to yeah. discuss that, you're like, all right, I understand one, two, and three dimensions. 
but what does a you know a fourth dimensional cube look like a tesseractor yeah. you know and just just you know that's a real simple idea but yeah I, I agree it's it's interesting the way that the way that like that plays with the mind in the way that you know maybe not every mind can interpret them the same way and yeah it's kind of fascinating so to um get into this game i have to first talk about what we're doing in this game uh so as anthony kind of mentioned earlier uh there is really no combat um this is a investigation game it's a but but uh, the way i'm going to break it down is this is a point and click adventure game and there's a there's a little asterisk next to that statement um but i will cover in a minute i'm sure you'll bring it up so but um yeah so it's you're basically going around these areas um discovering clues uh, and occasionally hiding and running from things. Um, I guess uh, let's just kind of get into it. Um, so it takes place in 1924. Uh, the character we play as is a man named Edward Pierce, who is a private investigator uh, living in Boston. He's also ex-military, right? Yes, yes. He was he fought in World War One. Uh, so he is a military vet, uh, and he suffers from nightmares due to his time in World War One, and he also uh, it's alluded to that he is an alcoholic alluded to by the fact that there's bottles all around the office when you start the game and you can literally yeah. drink. Yes, but that's one of the things. You can choose not to drink. I accidentally chose to drink. You accidentally? Yep. Okay. I, I clicked on it and I thought I hit no. Apparently I hit yes. You slammed back a drink and it's like your destiny has been changed. And I'm like, I don't like that statement. Yeah. But if it, let me tell you, I think that would, we'd have a far less alcoholics in the world if that that popped up in the in your peripheral vision after you had a drink. Well, there goes that choice. Uh, Matt, did you drink? I did not drink. Okay, I figured we're going to get down to business pretty quick. Right here, so uh, let, let me just—I feel like this game will quickly turn into a game of the Telltale variety. Uh, Me- yes, that was going to be one of my comments. Yeah, uh, meaning the choices you make will ultimately... This, ga- this game is a game of choices. Your your liver will remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this this game is a game of choices, and depending on the choices that you choose... Uh, you will get different outcomes. I wouldn't say different endings because I know that there are different endings to this game, but there are also different outcomes. I also know that like one of those endings is based strictly on stats. Yes. 
And 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 that's that's the thing that I thought you were going to bring up because we have to roll a character yes. basically um, and add stats and there's a bunch of different stats that you can change and stuff and um, I have no issue with this on the surface level. However, because this is not really an RPG, um, it is a point-and-click adventure game where you have some choice on how you handle things, but for the most part, it is a point-and-click adventure, um, but done from first person. Like, you're not pointing and clicking. But um, because everything is stat-based, what they've done is they've locked certain things behind dice rolls you don't see. And I can't think of another point-and-click game that is based on chance that's very odd the good thing is is there's always an out though mm, mm, yes but like if I come up to a locked door and my investigation is too low and I can't lock pick it that doesn't mean I'm screwed oh but there but if you you say that but like there are there are times where if your your one of your stats is too low, the outcome is going to be very different. Clearly, true. well, true. And 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 yeah, like that's if not you're a problem, trying though, to, is it? if you're trying to get a specific ending, right? There's not a when you roll your character. There's not enough stats to really increase anything, right? Mm, if and you think, if you dump a, all your points into certain yes, things, into one can. thing, yeah, true. but like. So, so my thing is, is that because there's certain dice rolls that will lock certain content away for another playthrough, you basically have to like. My issue is that when you go through again, there's not enough there's not enough stats to go around to make sure you get a certain playthrough. So, the fact that certain things are going to be locked behind dice rolls. Imagine you're going for something and then you fail a dice roll and you're like halfway through the game. And you're like, well, and I don't know if this is actually a thing or not, but this is just, I knowing that there's different endings and then there's different choices to make. Like I'd be irritated trying to get to a specific ending and being like, oh, well, because the game decided that even though I had a 70% chance of success, it's like, yep, but we fell in that thirty percent of failure. So guess what? You ain't you ain't getting that. Like, I'm like, well, that kind of sucks. Um, especially when there's so much choice in this game already. It's a little weird that they'd they'd lock certain choices behind stat rolls too. I, I don't I don't know. It's a very odd thing where it's like I find a lot of the time the stats don't really come into play enough, anyways. That this game would have been enough without that, and and it's like I don't know. There's just this this weird thing where I'm looking at the stat sheet and going, "This makes sense on paper when you're kind of crafting a story with other players, but when I'm playing alone, you know, yeah, it's a it's a very different experience. So it's like, you know, you don't I, like in in the tabletop, you'd have someone that's specialized in something most likely. Right, like you wouldn't have a bunch of people that are really good at lock picking, then that kind of defeats the point because no one else is going to be good at anything. Like you know, um, so like when you're playing alone, it's like I suppose like I'm not good at lock picking and I failed this lock picking um, section, but like what, what what if I just didn't engage with that lock picking section in the first place? That would have changed enough of this game as it is, anyways. 
I don't know. It's just this really odd choice where I'm like, I'm not sure where this is coming into play other than to just irritate me at times. <laughs> I, I mean, the, most the of only the stuff locks you out of information. The, yeah, the only thing that's really interesting is the um, observation, I think is what it's called. You talking about whenever you you hold both triggers and no 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 the the um give me a second call of Cthulhu uh like skills and like um so the skills are investigation is spot hidden that's spot hidden yeah so so spot hidden I I like that that is an interesting mechanic because if you don't have enough of the in the spot hidden certain objects just won't appear yeah they just don't spawn yeah interesting or like it could have like you know there, there there has to be another way around this i know it's based off of the, the the game and that's that's those are the skills in the game it's just it's this very weird thing where it's again playing a single player game it doesn't necessarily make as much sense as playing a tabletop with other people right Sorry, it's just weird to think about that this is a point-and-click sort of detective game with a narrative, um, and it's it's just it's locking content behind the stats. Like it, it's so it's so bizarre. I've never seen it, and maybe I shouldn't say it's bad. It's just different. It's just so different that I'm like I'm not really sure how I feel about it. Apparently, there is another game out there that's like that. I own it, but I have never played it. It's called Disco Elysium. Yes, but dis- I think the setup of Disco Elysium, I have not played it. I own it as well. I should. Um, it, it feels like there's more choice from what I've seen of Disco Elysium. This the, this game is still very linear. Yes. And like I think that's my biggest issue is like, if this game was more open, but like you're going to in the story, you're going to land on the shore, right, and then you're going to go to the manor, and then you're gonna like everything's happening in place, and there's really no choice on how, like there's choices in that moment of like how am I going to respond to this person, but other than that, I'm not gonna have a choice outside of how I'm handling a situation for the most part. Welcome to Telltale Games. You're right. Yeah, I, I know. That's I know. essentially yeah. the Walking but I, Dead. I think it feels more pronounced here, though. I it, it most certainly is. With with is, with this game, they at least mask it way better than they do in Telltale games. Is it? I, I just, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I suppose. I, I guess, a lot of but it's also games. an investigation where, where where there should be more of an impact from your, your choices. You know, you should be able to follow leads. I, I felt it, it, it's a. It's not a game I love, but like the best comparison I have is L.A. Noir, yeah. where the game is going to funnel you along regardless of how well you do in your investigation. It kind of has to, otherwise there's no game. Right. But that's what I mean. Like the 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 way it sort of like. Like it funnels you along, but like I felt like I was actually investigating based on my actual skill in L.A. Noir, and in this game, it's like, but what if we rolled the dice? And, <laughs> and too bad for you, it doesn't matter. Like, 
you know, your spot hidden. It did, it came up and you didn't fucking find the thing. Like, all right. You know, like it, it's odd. It's an odd. It's an odd experience. And it's just it's 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 just something to bring up now because I have a feeling when we talk about the story, it won't come up. So, yeah. I mean, it, we we may have a few differences. We'll see. Oh, I'm sure we do because I, I don't think we all played the same way. Um. So, uh, back to a little bit of the story. Edward Pierce uh, is living in Boston. Uh, is a private investigator. Kind of down on his luck. He's not been taking on too many cases, and the investigation agency that he works for is saying, hey, you need to take on some more investigations, otherwise you're going to lose your pri- private investigator license. And just so happens, a man comes in, and he is saying that he wants Mr. Pierce to look into the death of his daughter. Uh, a woman by the name of Sarah Hawkins. Uh, and it wasn't just her death, but it was also the death of her son and her husband. Uh, people say things about her. They say she's a little off her rocker. Um, she was well known in the Boston area as being a artist. She used to paint paintings that were of the disturbing nature. And uh, he brings a painting. Uh, when looking at the painting, it is obviously a very disturbing picture. And the weird thing is, is that it was sent before she had died. After she had died. Excuse me. After she had died. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting. It's not really. It's not really a big mystery. She not was big sent mystery. before she died. Oh my god, man. Yeah, it, it, it meant something right now. It was sent after she died, uh, and um, he's wanting to know. He believes that she didn't die in an accident. So the accident they claim was a house fire. Um. Which burnt... Uh, I thought it was suicide. I thought they all accidentally died in the house fire. Uh, yeah, man. I, it was... I felt like that was what was implied early on, but then I got there and it's like, everybody died in the house fire. I'm like, all right. No. I swear to God, it was like... Because she was mentally ill. That That's the reason why it's a story. Otherwise, it's just everybody died in the house fire. It was like... I thought it was like she set the... F- she killed herself after killing her, the others, or something like that. Basically, uh, the family's dead. It's her fault somehow. There was a house fire. I don't think that's true, is basically what her father says. And, you know, go and investigate. Right. So, and um... then And then it's like, <laughs> basically, he's only come to... I don't remember the character's name. What's Ed, the main character? Edward Pierce. Edward Pierce. He's only come to Edward Pierce because Edward Pierce is the last person possible to take it. It's clearly not busy. <laughs> yep. Everybody else has told him, I'm not going there. So, we have to go to uh, Darkwater, which is a island off the coast of Boston. 
that no I've one's ever heard it, of. Anyway. What's that? I said I've not seen it here. No. I was about to say, Matt, you could probably shed some light. Is there any islands off the coast of Boston? No, no light hits that island. Okay. So, um, yeah. Uh, we traveled to dark water uh, via boat. And uh, is it weird when we get the rendered cutscenes? They're all in extremely low quality. He looks completely different than when he does any other time. <laughs> um, okay, so not only that, are they? You're playing on PC. Yes. Uh, Matt, where are you playing on? PS4. Okay. How do the cutscenes look on PC, Drew? I mean, they look they a like, little grainy. Yeah. Okay. That like like not even like film grain like the. These are really, like, low-res files, and they've been blown up a bit. Grainy, right? Yeah, I would say that. Okay, that's how it looks on PS4, except for one sequence so far. All of them have been, like, these seem a little low quality. Uh, and the only one that hasn't, I think, is the time they dro- drive when you drive up to the manor. Yeah. That's the only one that hasn't looked rough. I'll tell you the reason why. Because if you watch that one on PC, and my PC can run this game really well, it chugs <laughs> badly. <laughs> I was like, ooh, they did not optimize this. So, yeah. Um, I think they made it that grainy for a reason. Otherwise, it would be a little, it would be a slideshow. But, uh,. So yeah, th- I should. Word we should... I was looking for was compression. By the way, compressed, yeah. highly compressed. Um, I we should mention the lighting is good. Mm. Everything else looks almost yeah. like they're made of clay. We're talking in game. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean it's. Mm, stylized? It's a bit stylized. I would say yes. People look slightly cartoonish. Well, yeah, so I, I talked to my atmospheric. I, sure. I talked to a friend about uh, this game because I told him, like I, the guys I play D anD D with, we were going to play Call of Cthulhu one time, and we never got around to it. Um, and. I was, I was talking about it. I'm like, I don't know if I'm in love with this game. Um, and he he apparently watched two people, and he's like, it, they all kind of look... Um, he's like, it, it, he's like they all kind of look like Innsmouthers, the people. And I'm like, yeah, but they're not. Like, that that's... They all kind of look like fish people. And then he sent me a picture of the police officer. And I'm like, that's just a Glasgow smile. Like, that's kind of how these people look. And it's like kind of nobody looks like a person. They all just kind of look like very cartoony people. And it's like clearly not the... the um, Art style. Yeah. Like, it's clearly not the intention to look cartoony. But it's like, it, they do. Uh, you know what they remind me of? They remind me of the characters from Brink. You and your fucking Brink game, I swear to God. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> Brink, like, those those people looked different. They didn't look realistic. 
Yeah, and I mean, like, I say that liking the Sinking City, and I'm going to talk about that a lot, I think, because it's hard not to draw comparisons, because both games were around the same time. Um, Yeah. The Sinking City has that, too. But I think it the way they handle that game, it makes more sense to have the characters look a little bit more odd. So this game, it's like everybody's kind of off. And I mean, maybe that helps the atmosphere, but it was more like, oh, I can really see like through the cracks, you know, and see the see the game in motion here. I don't know. Like, the only people that look like people are the women, and when I say that, I mean they look like... Everybody looks like they're out of Bioshock. Yeah. If you told me these people were the, um... Splicers. uh, Splicers. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be like, that makes sense. (laughs) Especially uh, Bradley over there. Oh my god, yeah. He looks right out of... He looks like he's gonna transform himself into a giant at the end and attack me with... (laughs) same powers i have while still talking with that ridiculous accent yes come on pierce <laughs> get it get it because atlas shrugged now he's a giant <laughs> fucking Christ. i love bioshock but boy some of that shit was ham-fisted it was and then it got really bad <laughs> infinite was like what if Dude, maybe there's bad people on both sides. Thank you, game. I didn't need this conversation. I just want to shoot people in the face. Oh, my God. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Bioshock Infinite was a big letdown for me. Yeah, it's a lot of people's. I, I love the gameplay in it, but I don't so right, mean the gameplay was that good. It plays like a... See, go back to it with like a... Like, oh, it's supposed to be kind of like Doom. And it makes a lot more sense. Like, running around fast and shooting guys? Sure. I mean, they literally had the hard mode called, like, 1999 mode. Wow. Or something like that, or 1990 mode, where they were clearly just like, we want this game to be played like a fast-paced shooter. It's just weird, because the game isn't, you know, Doom speed. Yeah. Also doesn't handle as good as Doom. No, I think... No. This guy's from Masters. Anyway... Uh, so yeah, we arrive at Dark Water. Um, our first kind of point of contact uh, is the captain of the ship that we were on, Captain Fitzroy, I believe is his name. And uh, he gives us a little bit of a rundown of the history, uh, and uh, we get a good amount of information. But he told us to check out a couple of places, so we're looking for this warehouse. Um, the warehouse is where the address for the painting came from, and it was owned by the Hawkins family. So we got to find this warehouse. It just so happens it's right there on the pier, almost. Not a very big island, I guess. No. Uh, so, uh, but there's a few obstacles in our way. Uh, firstly, uh, the townspeople is blocking one way (laughs) to begin with. Um, oh, fussed about a whale. Yeah. Um, apparently a whale had beached on the island and it was ripped to shreds almost. And, uh, the police were going to throw the carcass back to the ocean. And, and, uh, did anybody do a medicine check? I did. Yeah. And like, he's like, yeah, clearly this was not something like... 
they don't have predators around here, so what the fuck yeah. happened? And, of course, the villagers are not very happy with this. They're like, it's a bad omen to throw uh, dead animals back to the sea after they washed up. Uh, and trying to get around to the warehouse, uh, you get stopped by a bunch of gang members. Uh, they said that uh, we have no business going around there. That's their turf. So the only other place we can go is to the bar. And uh, here we get to test out a lot of our stuff to begin with. Um, you can try and talk to the bartender using eloquence, uh, which mine wasn't I high enough. That. that did too. Yeah. Uh, uh... Because you sort of get into a scuffle with a guy sitting at the bar who spits on the floor as you enter. What a lovely individual. Yeah. There's not a lot of lovely individuals on this island. Yeah. And I'm still thirsty. Definitely didn't get that drink from the bartender. Yep. I did not drink. I have not drank so far in this game. Well, at that point, I was actually trying to. (laughs) Oh, you were trying to get a drink? Yeah, I was trying to get a drink. You wouldn't serve me. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, so uh, we learn a few things here. Um, so there's a legend on the island back in the 1800s, I think like 1860-something, I'm not sure. Um, the island was starving, and uh, the whales had pretty much stopped showing up. But... Um, this captain and their ship, the Cilia, I think is what it's called. Can't remember. Um, yeah, the Scylla. The Scylla. They captured a creature, uh, a very strange creature, that they brought back to the island, and they feast upon it. And it basically kept them from starving that season. Uh, the miraculous catch. Yes, the miraculous catch. They call it. It's not a baseball reference. <laughs> no. Uh, what I what the the first thing that popped into my head was the the friggin' ending to Siren Blood Curse. Matt, you remember? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, you don't remember the... I remember, I remember the end not making a lot of sense. Exactly. Apparently, this whole thing happened because these kids ate the body of a alien demon thing, and it cursed wow, them. Wow, Siren really fell down from the original two. Whoa, Siren Blood Curse was bad. <laughs> um, We did that years ago. Um, yeah, I think I listened to it, it, and clearly I don't remember the ending of it. So, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, we learn of that. We also meet another secondary character, uh, a woman named Cat, who uh, seems to be a very shady person. Um, but she is the leader of these gangs that are running around. She's a bootlegger. This obviously takes place during the um, during the Prohibition era, and uh, we can potentially get access to the warehouse if we can eloquently talk to her 
And I failed that majorly. I did too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not terribly eloquent in this game. Yeah. I feel like we are all going down the same path so far. So far we're going down the same path. Um so you can get past the guards a couple of ways. You can get Cat to agree to help you, or you can just scare the guards if your strength is high enough. Is that what you did? No. Yeah, I had a third option. Yes, there yeah. is there is a third option, which God is... Damn, y'all took the third option. <laughs> yeah. The third option is to sneak through the sewers. Whoa, what? Then there's a fourth option. There's a fourth option. Okay. Tell me what the fourth option is. Is yours on the pier? No. Mine is... I I opened a grate. No, I was asking Matt. Oh. Matt, was yours on the pier? Yeah, I just eavesdropped on the two guards. So what I did is, you know, there's there's the two guards I want to pass. They will let me pass. There's a room basically next to them with a window in it. I crept into that room and listened to that and picked up a couple of details uh, of things that Kat normally said and things that she was worried about. She had a little knife, you know, a very specific knife. And so then I, then I went back out and walked up to him and basically just lied to him and said, Kat sent me. And they said, bullshit, we don't believe you at all. Prove it. And then he's like, well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to make Kat angry. She has a, a, particular Italian little stiletto knife that she will slice you open with. Oh my god. Like, oh, oh. You had a different one than mine. Yeah. All right, this it... is impressive. So I went to the pier <laughs> and broke into a little shack and found a found a bunch of bottles of booze and a note. <laughs> and apparently those guards are stealing from cats. And I walked up uh. and said, uh, so... Gentlemen, you're gonna let me pass because I know you're stealing from your boot, like your boss, and I doubt she'd <laughs> like to hear about that. And they're like, "All right, don't make a lot of fucking noise and don't tell her thanks." And so I walked back there and uh, got to explore. I like that thought that we all must have taken the third <laughs> room, and it's like oh, third, fourth, fifth. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. So we all had different different ways of getting in. So the fifth route, <laughs> once I leave the bar, uh, the villagers that were blocking the exit, the villagers that were blocking the entrance to the back of the warehouse, they're gone now. Um, and I was able to sneak into another warehouse and then go through the sewers. This is where my spot hidden ability came into play where I could open this grate, but I couldn't open it uh, by myself. I had to use a winch, so I found a wheel, put the wheel on, and I cranked the winch and opened up the grate, then went under through the sewers, and then came up into the warehouse. Uh, while I was there, I had a insanity uh, thing happen. Uh, a... While I was going through the sewers, I was about chest deep in water. You could see ripples approaching me. And when it got to me, it grabbed me and pulled me underwater. I then went... Oh, shit. I went through this wall of membrane and human body parts. 
what the absolute fuck game are you playing? I'm so irritated right now. And I and when yeah. I and when all, all I did was creep into a warehouse. And then when I went under, and I, that membrane was basically holding me from going back to the surface. When I looked down, there was a sinking city. What the fuck game? Are you, this is horse shit. And then I went all back I up. All I wanted was weird shit. Oh, I'm so fucking irritated right now. <laughs> and then I went back up into uh, uh, the sewer. I got my breath and I got a little tick saying, you have lost some of your sanity and you you have experienced the sinking city. What the fuck? God damn it. All I wanted uh, I was weird experiences. To. Matt, go ahead and explain yours because you're, you're both going to find mine fucking boring. All right. Yeah, I I didn't really have anything. All I did was creep into the warehouse. You actually got into the warehouse right away. Yeah. They, I, oh I, fuck they me. Okay. Made me. They. You know. Once once they stepped aside and I went past them, I just walked in the back door and did my investigation. So. So. I. I I get past the bootleggers. I, I give. I tell them that I've caught them stealing because I found their piece of paper. And then one guy turns to the other and says, "You left the pe- you you kept the paper. Like, are you stupid? Get rid of it. What, what the fuck are you doing?" So, uh, god damn. It. I, I go around. I try to open up the door. My lock picking fails, and I have to turn around and leave. And as I'm leaving, Cat turns the corner. With two guys, and I'm like, hey, fuck me. And she's like, what do you have to say for yourself? And I just kept silent, because I'm like, and she's like, what, cat got your tongue? And then, like, and then I responded with, that doesn't really matter what I'm going to say, because you've already made up your mind, so what what's going to happen here? And um, she's, like, basically threatening me, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to move. Like, you're going to let me in. And I, she knees me in the balls and uh i wake up and i go back to the bar to talk to her she's like wow you really are a fucking lunatic to come back and talk to me she's like but i like that and she's like what the fuck do you want and i'm like i need into that fucking warehouse because i need to see what's going on there um and i'm here to investigate and like I have zero interest in whatever the fuck you're doing. I just need to be in that warehouse to investigate something. So I finally get into the warehouse, and that's when I find, like, the painting and the rotten gunk and stuff. Well, there you go. Perhaps. Wow, this is, this is more shit. Like, mine is very boring. <laughs> well, perhaps uh, this game alters a little differently than what we expected. This is yeah. now I'm far more impressed knowing that like clearly my way wasn't the only way. You, definitely, apparently, I didn't realize there were that many ways to get in. Neither did I. I thought that there was like two, and I failed the ones. So the other one was the option. And then hearing that you had insanity effects, I have not had an insanity drop once. Yeah, you me should. Either. You should have certain things. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Go, nope. go look at go. You need to pause the game and look at Pierce Pierce's sanity. I'm gonna. You know what? You keep talking. I'm gonna load it up and I'm gonna tell you right now. Okay. 
because there's things that you experience in this game that lower his sanity. So, like uh, you mean you mean unmissable story things? Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, where I stopped, my sanity is way down. Um, and I don't know if you can regain it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know. Um, anyway, so yes, we, we finally get into the warehouse one way or another, we get into the warehouse and we, uh, investigate it. Um, I do have a question because it seems to me that if you were friggin' Sherlock Holmes or Hercule Perot, you wouldn't be able to, to determine the stuff that Edward Pierce determines. It's like he sees premonitions. Am I am I wrong in this? You mean when he looks into the past? Yes. When he's reconstructing the events that happened? Yeah, but... All right, we'll talk about it at the last chapter because I have a major issue with that last chapter. Okay, so fun, fun, uh, fun I fact. also didn't get to the last chapter, okay. by the way. All right. <laughs> Fun fact: That's this is literally how um, Sinking City does it as well. I, I'm I, no, not kidding you. You go into like this weird blue world where you get to see like events of the past and like spirits doing the things and stuff. Who made Sinking City? Uh, that is the Sherlock Holmes people. Frogwares. Yes, Frogwares. Okay. These uh, called Cthulhu is the people that made sticks. Gotcha. Frogwares was, um, that wasn't, uh, Bound by Flame, was it? That's Spiders. Spiders, that's right. These three guys, these three companies, make games <laughs> that all feel the exact same. Fine purveyors of jank. Yes. But quality jank. Yep. Anyway. Uh, Interesting interesting gem. highly interesting and 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 chance taking like they they take risks these people i have to give them credit like even though now i feel differently about call of cthulhu knowing that like knowing that i've just basically fucked myself on a good experience <laughs> um. i want to see all the weird stuff you're i'm playing it the safest as possible to not do that <laughs> cool so, um, yeah, so we do our first light reconstruction, which is we uh, basically it's, you know, you pull down both triggers and you go into like an investigation mode where you basically piece together things that may have happened in the past, depending on what you see. But like I said, there's certain times I'm like, how would he know this? How would he get this from looking at the scene? Um, in chapter eight, there's that part. And I was like, I don't see how he figured this out at all. But, um, so yeah, uh, basically, uh, she had been stockpiling a lot of her macabre paintings in this warehouse. Um, no, wasn't her. Okay. Charles. Yeah, somebody stole it. Oh, no, yeah. not even Charles necessarily. It, the, so that's the thing. It's 
uh, I don't know if you guys got it, but like I quickly figured out like oh like like um when I played it it was like oh someone brought these here after. Yep. Like I knew instantly like this is recently this painting is gotten here. Maybe I didn't see that. Dude, this game is clearly just fuck you. This is going to be different every time. I'm surprised how different your experiences are so far. Okay. Uh, Maybe I'm remembering wrong. I don't know. Like, maybe I'm going insane. That's what happens when you go through the wall, flesh boy. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Upside down. And yeah, that's exactly what it looked like. You were underwater in this weird, like, flesh world. Ah, I fucking irritate shit on me. I didn't see it. Now I'm gonna have to play this fucking game again. God damn it. Is this looking up on YouTube? No, no, because now I want to... Now I want to know what I'm missing. Okay. Did you put a lot of points into the occult? Uh, I put a couple of points into the occult at the beginning. Okay, so mine was low. Mine was one, still. Okay. So maybe that has to do with it? I don't know. Could be. Uh, the more the more uh, the occult you have, the more attuned you are to the insanity. So, wait, is that good or bad? I I don't know. I guess we'll have to find out at the end. <laughs> um. So, uh, I, I remember this specifically when I finished my investigation here. Uh, I run into uh, the cops. Yep. Okay, alright. At least that didn't deviate. So. <laughs> okay, so I, I've looked it up. I see what you mean. The mental trauma. Yes. Alright, I have one, two, three, four, five, six. I've got like f- more than that, way more than that. Wow, okay. And most of mine were like, you read a book. Like, yep. Yeah, I did. Yep. Those are really unfascinating experiences. So, um, this is where we're introduced to Officer, uh, Brady. Bradley. 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 Bradley, yep. Yeah, Officer Bradley, who is the stereotypical Boston Bobby. And, um, he uh, basically convinces him to take him up to the manor where the Hawkins family resided. Uh, he doesn't want to, but he's like, all right, fine, we'll go. So we drive up to the manor and, uh, he tells us that the only person that's still here would be the caretaker. So, um, yeah, um, we run into the caretaker. Well, did, what, what was the choices that, um, your gentleman made. Oh, right. There is a choice here. So, did because I chose to take him with me. Yes. So you can choose to yeah. investigate on your own or choose to bring the. I think he still you. leaves you at the gravesite. Probably. But uh, did Matt? Did you choose to take him with you? Yeah, I did, and I'm curious what happens when you meet the caretaker. If you don't have him with you. Oh well, I, I can tell you. Well, I mean, yeah, I, as I say, he doesn't I, come with you. Well, I, I he didn't come with me. Yeah, he, well, he, he, he. So I, I told, uh, I told him to come with me, 
but he's not around yeah. whenever I run into the caretaker. Uh, so the caretaker, while you're snooping around, uh, shows up with an ax. <laughs> and so you <laughs> pretty be- unfriendly too. Yeah. He is like, you know, what are you doing here? So he, um, he's got the ax and you can have, you have basically a timed option here. Uh, you can try to use your strength to take the ax away from him. Which I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, my, my strength's not high enough for that. Or you can try to talk him down. Or there's other options that you get depending on how much you investigated. So you can, you can, uh, try to talk him down by showing him clues that you have picked up. Uh, I eloquently asked him to put the, uh, axe down. And he did. Before I shove that fucking axe up your ass, do you mind putting it down? <laughs> yeah, no, I um, I did the same. I think there's a, a a wooden toy or something you can find nearby. Yes, I read about that because I wanted to see if anybody had chosen to not take the officer with them online. But they see everybody seems to take the officer, and like the the walkthrough or whatever I was reading is like, if you turn right here, there's a wooden toy. I'm like, I did not see that at all. So, um, I think that might work for on him, but I have no idea. But I was able to talk him down. Me too. I didn't get an axe to the face. Yeah. I kind of was in the middle. Okay. I didn't ever convince him to believe me. Uh, I basically... I basically said, look, I work for Stephen Webster, and you should, you know, I'm, I'm here on his behalf, so why, why are you in my way, basically? And he was still rather aggressive, and I think was probably about to attack me, but then Bradley shows up and, and then finally talks him down. Gotcha. So nothing interesting, but, you know, kind of, I guess, halfway in the middle. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Um... After that, we get the key to the manor, and uh, we go through the manor. Uh, I like this atmosphere. This was pretty good. Don't know why he's got to walk so fast. I'm trying to explore everything, and he just keeps walking. Yeah, he just keeps walking, and keeps talking. He's talking this yeah. entire time. This guy does not shut up. I don't Which, know why we're here. I do, I, I, I do like all the like the voices... And just the, you know, the dialogue, I think it's all pretty well done. Yeah. I like that they radiate. Uh, it, it's it's sometimes hard to hear them, but, like, it radiates out, like, from the character. So you have to be kind of, like, you, they, they sound quieter when they're facing away from you, even. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, while being here uh, we do a couple of investigation areas um we do the dining room and we also do uh, a room later on uh and basically we come to the conclusion that it seems like sarah hawkins did not have a very good relationship with her husband seemed like he was a very stern and also distant man uh and didn't really treat his kid properly fact we found uh uh some medicine uh particularly sleeping pills apparently everybody's on sleeping pills on this island um 
and uh, Sarah has been painting these strange paintings uh, and uh, was originally selling them, but uh, didn't really... She, she, she learned something that we don't know just yet uh, about these paintings and decided she didn't want to do this anymore. She became reluctant to selling her paintings to other people. And uh, it seems that she had been committed to a hospital at one point. Um, and obviously the rumor mill on the island uh, said that she had pretty much gone insane. But the uh, the biggest thing that we find out is that uh looks like this fire that took a lot of the mansion may not have been an accident after all. In fact, it seems that someone else was in the room uh, when the fire started. And... I, see, this is where I don't get where Pierce gets this information. So he's like, okay, the kid was laying here. And then Charles Hawkins was beating his wife over here. I'm like, well, how do you get that? You know? Yeah, it's hard to get any any sense of before and after. All you, you see is remnants. Yeah. And I'm just like, what? And then... There's... I think in that particular case, it's... Uh, what Where stuff has been burned. Like, so... Um, because I found the painting in that warehouse... And the painting is from the room that you are in when you're investigating the fire. Right? Yep. And there's, there's a, a spot, spot on, on the wall, wall that is clearly that the fire happened and then someone took the painting. And so... Yeah, and that's also the same with, with the boy on the ground, right? You can see his, right. his outline. Yeah, and so like, oh, the shoe on the ground or whatever it was... Um, it's because like it's burnt in the spot there, so you know that the fight had to have happened before that. There, there is there is something that tells you that they had the fight beforehand, um, before yeah. the stuff happened. And a bottle, bottle of whiskey. So you, you might yeah. you might come to the conclusion that there was you know he was drunk. But there was also another person in the room. We see that by the evidence of there is uh, blood scrapes. On the door frame, I believe. It's a bloody yeah, like hand somebody frame, escaped. Yeah. yeah, like somebody escaped uh, while the fire was starting, and I think they ran off with the painting. I also like the the little dinner scene before the fire scene. Uh, the only thing I liked about investigating that was that there was a plate of meat, and I, I kept trying to get as close to it as possible because she's because he's like, oh. Well, this is not like any meat I've ever seen before. And it looks like it's some, I don't know, maybe a sea creature of some sort. Yeah. Big meaty sea creature. So, um, while we are still investigating, um, we find a room. Uh, it was just a locked room um, from where Sarah's bedroom is adjacent to Sarah's bedroom. And this is where we start to get into a lot of the occult stuff. Because on the floor is painted what yeah. looks like a pentagram or some kind of a summoning circle. 
and there's a lot of weird notes leading to the occult. And Pierce is like, so she was into this occult weird stuff? And as we're investigating this, there is a robed figure who shows up. Uh, and they steal something, right? Yeah. It's like they were hiding in the room and then left. I think the assumption they was they took something. painting, right? I can't Another remember. Another painting? This guy loves his paintings. I can't remember. I think they ran off with something. So we lead chase. And that person completely disappears. Goes up to the attic. And uh, through the attic, there is kind of like a... It's almost like a study where Charles had uh, basically kept his secret stuff. And we find a few things, uh, particularly um, uh, some uh, ledgers. Uh, basically kept notes of who all he sold paintings to. Um, and also the fact that he had his wife committed. Uh, but there is a, a little strange thing here because we don't know where this person ran off to. They ran up the stairs and there's no exit to this place. So where did they go? And we discovered that there is a hidden passageway. We have to open up this door. In order to do that, we have to solve this puzzle, which has to do with a globe and coordinates. Uh, did anybody solve this puzzle? I mean, I figured out how to solve it after I opened the door. So you use your strength to open the door? I used a, I used a tool to open the door, yeah. Okay. Uh, I jammed right. something. There's a wall to the side. You slide the wall, and then you stick like a crowbar, and then you just jam the wheel. Is that what you did, Matt? Yeah, that's what I did. I I don't didn't really see a globe. Didn't do any globe puzzle here. That's for sure. Oh wow! So right next to the bookcase there is a globe that you can uh, alternate coordinates, which are on the desk, and you mm. can basically open the door that way. So what? It, it, it like unlocks it? Yeah. Or it gives you. Yeah, it opens automatically whenever you get the coordinates correct. Huh. So, um, with that, it leads to the caverns below Hawkins Manor. And uh, Bradley follows with us. Maybe it's the Hawkins name that also gave me a little bit of a Stranger Things vibe. Yeah. Hawkins, Hawkins Indiana. And this is where we get into some strange stuff. It starts getting strange from here. It'd been strange for me before. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I had missed most of that, so it's just really just an investigation up until this point. So going through this, uh, these caverns, um, Bradley and Pierce kind of separate. 
And this is where Pierce starts to see some disturbing things. Um, as far as investigations go, there is one investigation here where it looks like Charles, um, along with these other hooded figures, are having a meeting talking about um, doing sacrifices. And um, hey, man! So, could you get that sacrifice to me? Uh, <laughs> can you get that sacrifice off my desk by uh, Monday at five? Thanks. And if you would just sign yeah, we're here, we're gonna do some sacrifices. Yeah, just sign here. We, you know, this is just a waiver that you know, if Cthulhu takes your soul, we won't, we won't, you won't sue us. So, uh, yeah, we make our way through the caverns and start finding a whole bunch of hooded figures. Uh, and they are all doing these ritual sacrifices, seances, I don't know. Um, and as we make it to this area, there is this very large hooded figure who seems to be slightly disfigured. And he has a tentacle arm. And face. And weird face. And this is what we saw in our dream at the beginning of the game. Yes, I forgot about that. Yep. Uh, and uh, Officer Bradley uh, realizes it's Charles Hawkins. And he tells him to stop. And he starts opening fire on him, shooting him multiple times, including in the head. And he keeps coming. He then rears back and disembowels Officer Bradley. At that point, we're on the run. Uh, we are having uh, a panic attack at the same time. It's important to note that your uh, your eldritch monstrous person is uh, also f uh, for abolishing the police. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so... Uh... <laughs> How topical. But, uh. I really had to date the podcast. I'm sorry. There you go. What was happening in, in 2020? Although there was a lot happening in 2020 when we recorded this, but that was one of the things. Everybody's sick and on drugs, and the cops are bad, right? It's, it's like I'm living the game. Everybody's going crazy, you know? It's all like. So, yeah, uh, we're on the run, uh, but this is also one of the the first gameplay sanity effects. Uh, you have, uh, you can suffer from panic attacks, which is, the camera kind of shifts a little bit uh, when you move and when you look around, and you're having to run, like, like in Pierce is constantly talking and mumbling to himself. I gotta get out of here. I gotta. I gotta leave. So uh, we run through this very nasty area uh, with uh, dead corpses of animals and humans, <laughs> and um, we make our getaway. Uh, as soon as we do make our getaway, uh, there's a cave in, and. Um, we pass out. So it begins the next chapter 
uh, with uh, Pierce waking up in the hospital. Uh, he has a couple of uh, ins and outs of consciousness. And uh, he notices that uh, Officer Bradley is there. And uh, is looking over him. And there is this nurse and doctor who are also administering drugs to him. And uh, he finally wakes up from this horrible nightmare in a padded cell. And you are now in a mental institution. That's uh, quite a shift of scene here. Yes. Uh, this is basically, I, I would say, this is where the game begins. Uh, it, it, it felt kind of slow to begin with, and there are a few parts where it gets a little slow again. But this is where things start to really ramp up, and it ramps up even more a little bit later on from where we're talking. But, uh, uh, Pierce is then, while he's stuck in his cell, uh, is visited by a nurse or a doctor. Um, God, I can't remember her name to save my life. Marie Colden. 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 Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and she says that she's going to help him get out of here because he doesn't belong here. So she opens the door to our cell and so begins the escape uh, from the insane asylum. <sighs> so there's more. I imagine we, we, we played this out a bit different. I, I have a feeling we did not. <laughs> I, cause yeah. What, what was your escape method? Matt? Well, it seemed like there was at least two ways, right? Like the goal here, here is to create a distraction to get the guards out of the way so you can escape. Mm-hmm. Yep. What was your... Uh, I, I basically flipped the electrical circuits. Oh, there's three ways out. So I could use the electric chair. There's three ways out. So, all right, that was your distraction. Uh, yeah, so I, I, had to, I had to flip four, four switches basically to, to supercharge the electric chair and then turn it on. Got it. Okay, Drew, what was yours? I um, turned through two wheels and released the toxic gas. It was more than two wheels. You had to find two wheels, and then there's other. Yeah. So you got to turn. Yeah, I, I did the two that I could find, then never found the other two, so I gave up on that path. So I, I did that one as well to escape. Now, um, before we leave, we're just about to leave, and then we get pulled into another room, and we find a guy in a chair. And he's losing his mind. He's got his eyes gouged out, clearly. Um, and he starts rambling nonsense. And then, like, he gets thrusted into the air and gets killed by something invisible. As we escape, Drew and I would have been knocked out by poison gas. Yes. What happened to you, Matt? Uh, it was also poison gas coming out of, the like, a ceiling event right that's a little weird okay well because because i did come across the gas and they said that there was gas around i know but like ours was we were filling the whole bottom of it with poison gas so it was like okay well clearly this is this is what stops you um 
yeah, it's odd that that was the answer for the electric chair as well, but all right. So yeah, the only other thing that got a bit more interesting on the switches was that I, uh, you know, you know, there's four I had to pull. Three of them I could easily pull, but the fourth one there was guards outside it. So, so I basically had to make a deal with one of the people in the cells and get him some sleeping pills, I believe. Oh, was that the... on them? Okay, so that was the other portion of that. Because I was going to say that I thought was the main distraction option. And it's just, no, know. so yeah, he, he like. When I gave it to him, he created a distraction which pulled the guards away from the fourth, uh, you know, the fourth lever. Yeah, I did that as well and realized that's that's not a solution to making a distraction. And I said, "Well, that sucks." All right, I guess <laughs> I'll do this uh, poison gas thing. So, uh, yeah. So, we, Anthony, you mentioned it, but um, we should we we shouldn't gloss over the fact that. Uh, there is a guy being strapped to a chair. So obviously when we're going around this, this basement area of the hospital, the insane asylum part, uh, this doctor is doing horrible things to his patients. Electroshock therapy, uh, hallucinogens, all sorts of stuff. His eyes have been gouged out. Right? Yeah. His eyes have been gouged out. Um, Maybe he gouged him. Well, yes, he did. Um, you'll, you'll see that a little bit later on. Um, <laughs> um, and, uh, he keeps mentioning this thing called the shambler. The shambler's coming and he's like, I don't understand what you're talking about. And he says, that's good because once you believe that's when it sees you. And unfortunately for this guy, uh, some supernatural stuff happens. He then begins floating in midair and gets killed while floating in midair. And that's when we have a panic attack, panic attack and run away. <laughs> uh, and we both, I guess we all pass out from the gas and wake up in the manor. I guess yeah. the doctor found us, the the good doctor. Yep. And yeah. And took us back to the manor with Officer Bradley, who we watched die. Of course we talked to him and well, her. I think I think the more important question is why the fuck are we in the manor? Well, I think that's where they kind of set up their little base of operations. Yeah, no, why are we allowed back in the manor? Uh, we have... <laughs> what about the guy that stopped us the first time? That's mm. I have a feeling it might be explained, but it's just one of those things where I'm like, why am I here? Like, what, is there nowhere else on this fucking island you could have had this? True. This is very true. Yeah, so it says the, the companions decided to use the Hawkins Mansion as a hideout. So <laughs> don't what? know that it's terribly involved explanation, but yeah, right below the manor is where the bad stuff happened. Yeah, this is also where I stopped right at the beginning of chapter six. Okay. Well, uh, I don't want to. Um, sh should should we continue or just stop here? 
I think we should stop here. Like I said, we uh, we probably have to do three episodes on this now. Yeah. Just because of how different of an experience we've been getting in certain parts. parts. Right. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Last time, I mean, we, we do have an email, but he, well, let me, let me at least read it. He does mention something that happens in chapter seven. Um, is chapter seven the bookshop? No, that's chapter eight. Okay. Chapter seven is where we go in and, and investigate that dude who had his eyes gouged out. Uh, let me see here. It comes in from Chad. Yeah, that's. That's where I start having some more issues, and I'm sure we'll talk about them next week. Yeah. So, um, I will uh, read some of his email, but we'll save it for save the rest of it for later. Uh, Chad uh, says, uh, "Howdy, welcome to Dark Water, where everybody is a sketchy dick." Uh, man, these people <laughs> have attitudes. Sketchy but- dick is something you should talk to your doctor about. <laughs> yeah, this is what we call mass holes. <laughs> Basically, it's everybody in Boston. Uh, regardless, I kind of like the different personas, and the voice acting is good at times, albeit inconsistent. Officer Bradley is pretty funny as the stereotypical Massachusetts cop. However, Pierce comes off sounding like a distant cousin to Geralt. His tone is funny sometimes, but seems a little disjointed in various circumstances. Otherwise, the presentation seems pretty well done with their take on Lovecraft, and the mystery is intriguing. So I've completed through Chapter 6 and almost rage quit twice. The first time was while I was sneaking through the Institute in Chapter 5, and my second was the, well, thing in Chapter 6. I was able to muddle my way through the Institute, but got confused about whether I was supposed to do something with the gas wheels or the electric chair or both. I suppose that was meant to give the player options for creating the diversion. I started with the gas wheels, but had trouble finding the missing ones. I then shifted towards focusing on the chair, since it had a color-coded power lines for me to follow. What? I didn't know that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Repeat that for me, because I I feel like I missed out on that. What? Okay. I started with the gas wheels but had trouble finding the missing ones. I then shifted towards focusing on the chair since it had color-coded power lines for me to follow. Oh, fuck yep. right off. I, yeah, it, it, it not that the did. wheels were hard to find, but f- fuck off. God damn it. I did not know that there yeah, were came power out the lines. Back of the chair. Yeah, it, it came out the back of the chair, and then, you know, you could follow... You could, if you wanted to, you could just follow them directly from the back. I ended up finding three of the four before I found that they were all linking to the chair. So then I just figured out which one wasn't activated or like at full pressure. And then just followed that one back out until I, you know, that that's right. I, I, it was locked out because of the guard sitting outside the room. So yeah, it was definitely handy. Wow. I guess I was not observant. Yeah. They were kind of sneaking down the hallways. Uh, the other paragraph pertains to chapter six, Matt, which I will not talk about. Uh, he says, but he says, anyway, I heard that that was the most frustrating area in the game. So I guess I'm back on track. So get ready, Matt. Uh, Can't wait. Yeah. Other than those two areas, I'm enjoying the story. It reminds me of another focus home interactive game. I played a couple of years ago called the council. If you like Cthulhu, you should really check that one out. It has similar themes and gameplay with much, with more of a focus on puzzles and dialogue options. The RPG elements are a little more evolved 
and has a mechanic similar to Danganronpa, where debates feel more like duels, including limited-use special abilities. Besides, who doesn't want to attend a dinner party with a creepy remote mansion with a secret order that includes George Washington and Napoleon? And uh, for a cherry on top, the soundtrack is done by Olivier de Verrey. <laughs> I need to just I need to just reach out to him at this point and be like, all right, so we keep talking about you and none of us can say your last name. <laughs> how do you say it? So, yeah, how you want to record that for me and so I can say it right from now on. And he says, until next time, Chad. So yeah, I skipped two paragraphs because he talked about chapter six. Um, Matt, uh, I. Before you go look at a thing, investigate the entire room before you go look at the thing. That's what I will tell you. Okay? Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, Don't look at things. Look at other things. Yes. Yeah, well, you, you will know what I'm talking about. You are, you go into a there's room. A, there's, a, there's a thing in the middle of the room. Don't look at that thing. Look at the rest of the room. Well, sorry. There's a thing that's clearly centered in the room at the back wall. Don't look at that thing. Look at everything else. Yes, before you go look at the thing in the middle of the room. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. And we'll leave it at that. We'll see. We'll see how you handle it, because I handled it by saying, "What the crap?" Game facts. <clears throat> so, uh, but yeah. That's going to be it for us. Um, it looks like we are going to have a three-parter episode or a three-parter series for this one. That's okay. Um, there is one other thing I do want to mention. Uh, Chad, um, he decided to uh, run a uh, a poll. Just curious as to which game people would like us to do next after Call of Cthulhu. Uh, that poll had God of War, Spider-Man, um, crap, I can't remember now. I have to look it up, sorry. This is going to drive me crazy if I don't. That was God of War, South Park, The Stick of Truth, Dragon's Dogma, or Spider-Man. And God of War won by 37%. Have you Not play- terribly surprised by that. Have you played God of War, Matt? I've played about six hours of it, I would say. Man, you played about the same amount. I got like right up to the final boss like I always do in video games and then <laughs> uh, something else took my attention away and I never got back to it. Wow. Yep. So, um, Matt, do you want to do God of War after? Yeah, that. I mean, that it's one of the ones that I most need to play this year and okay. really wrap up the, I don't want to say wrap up the generation because I feel like I'll be playing PS4 games for the next 15 years, <laughs> but, uh, you know, wrap up at least one notable PS4 game. Okay. Well, there you go. Chad, uh, Chad has spoken and so have 19 other people, one of which was me. Because I did, I did vote for it so I could see how the voting was going. And, uh, well, I voted for Spider-Man, so I didn't win. So, there you go. 
Uh, we'll be doing God of War next. <laughs> I did uh, w- one thing on this game though that I didn't quite mention yet. I wasn't sure if I liked it or not the way that you lock out your dialogue options. So right, you know, you know you, you've got your generic dialogue options. You've got your your unlocked dialogue options. Uh, at first, I really liked it because it's different enough from, say, The Witcher, where sometimes I wonder in The Witcher why you have dialogue options, because I feel like I would just go through all eight options in a row, one after the other, and it might as well just been one big option. But here, you, you can't do that. You know, you, you, you take your pick, and then you roll with the consequences. So, you know, I don't know. It's certainly more inter- interesting this way, but did feel like uh, I was missing a lot. Well, I mean, this kind of like that with like Dragon Age or Mass Effect, you know, do you go with the Renegade option or do you go with the Paragon option? I mean, it's, it's not moral choices. It's more of like, do you think you're good at enough in the investigation to actually get this? You know, I, I, it's part of the game. In fact, I would say it's the majority of the game. Yeah, yeah, I would say it's the majority of the game. I actually expected there to be a lot more game to this game. Uh, you know, it, it is far more interesting now, as you mentioned, Anthony, that, right, like, I, I, I thought, I'm like, well, this is just a linear game. It's, you know, so there's not a lot of, not a lot to talk about there. There's not a lot of, no combat, you know, not even a lot of stealth or other action sequences. So I'm like, other than the story, which is good, in the atmosphere, which is good, what, you know, it might as well have just been like a visual novel almost. But the variety of ways we have approached this is is surprising. I, I didn't even see most of those other ways when I was doing it or, or choose them. So I don't know. I, I, I've kind of been on a little bit of a roller coaster with this game. I, I really like parts of it so far and other parts I thought, like the, the whole RPG mechanic of it, seems weird to me as was mentioned just that there's not a lot of not a lot you do with it necessarily since it all just funnels into some dialogue choices and you could you know you can if since you can progress them without those it you know i I don't know i guess there's there's some impact on it but just not as much because there's just less game here than i was originally expecting gameplay at least so, Anthony, how do you feel about it? Well, I'm fucking irritated that I missed out on a bunch of shit, let me tell you. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, as I a know. whole? I'm, I'm, I don't know yet. Like, now that I've, now that you've said this stuff, I'm like, well, clearly I'm missing out on certain things. So, I, I don't know. I, 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 maybe I'm just choosing the most boring path possible. I, I legitimately don't know. So, have you been reading the books that change your destiny? You mean the the Necronomicons? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, they upgrade my um, occultism. Yeah. So, so I've I've only ran into two of them. I read one of them, and I was yeah, like, I have mm. two of them. I was like, mm, I don't know if I want to do that. So on the second one, I did not read it. So, but the thing is, my sanity as it stands right now, like there's like that little spiral 
it's halfway gone. Yeah. Well, mine's pretty good still, so. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll definitely see. But, uh... Uh, that'll be it for us. Uh, if you'd like to send an email, it's drew at ztgd.com. Uh, you can tweet to us. I'm at DML Fury. I am not at DML Fury anymore. I am at Drew Leachman. Uh, Matt is at REMGS. And the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Uh, we're going to continue on with uh, Call of Cthulhu. Um, I'm excited to see how much more it deviates. It's, it, it's surprising to hear that one bit I hope that's not the only bit that it deviates um, we'll see uh, it's, it's definitely not levels of, of alpha protocol but I don't, <laughs> I don't think there ever will be a game that deviates as much as alpha protocol does yeah agree um, but uh, we'll find out but until next time I am Drew and I'm Matt I'm Anthony and we're out of here Hope you guys have a great week, and we will be back next week with the continuation of Call of Cthulhu.